The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements, so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com yahoo fantasy football forecast i come to work with two hands every day and i'm trying to bless somebody we better be in florida it better be sunny and there better be some sort of fruity drink involved with matt Harmon. it seems like you know ball the way you talk so <laughs> thank you someone clip that you can get on a podcast you can get online you can argue with the clouds you can argue with the with the russian bots don't care It's Tuesday, November 8th, and after a wild day of football, we're ready for a surprisingly spicy trip to the waiver wire with the Marquess, Marquis of man coverage, Andy <laughs> Barons. And that was a lot of alliterations beyond the Marquis thing there. Never heard of that. Don't know what that means. Don't know where you rank at this point, Andy. But hey, welcome to the show, buddy. How you doing? Yeah, this this one actually feels like a fake title that has no uh, royal meaning whatsoever, like the rest of the royals would throw me out of the club. Marquis, uh, this, the, yeah, this this is doing nothing for me. The, I, not only, by the way, a, a wild day of football, but like a wild day after the day of football. So yes. we've had some fun stuff happen. We absolutely have. So let's just get right into it. Scott and I had uh, an extended conversation about the Colts on the Sunday night recap show, uh, I said that I was going to put my entire um, in, in the care, don't care recap article, Andy. I rarely like to throw an entire team in the don't care <laughs> section, but I was willing to do it with the Colts. Well, the Colts also told us this morning that they don't care about their team any longer because, look, Scott and I, again, we talked a lot about, okay, this week nine, the week nine Colts looked like a team that was was just playing out the string. But I'm like, it's freaking week nine, okay? Like, you can't just, like, start giving up on the yeah. season in week nine. That's a little ridiculous. Like, and then, you know, Scott says he is. They are playing out the string. And then at the end of it, it's like, okay, well, is Frank Reich going to be around for this? The answer is no. He is not going to be around for this. The Colts fire Frank Reich this morning, which was 
I would say a mild surprise just because he has a winning record. Like he's not Matt Rule. Like everybody knew Matt Rule's going to get fired in the middle of the season. Okay. Nobody really thought like Frank Reich was going to get fired in the middle of the season. But that wasn't even the most surprising news of the day, Andy, because I don't know. I don't even know how to bring this in. Former Colts center and current ESPN analyst Jeff Saturday. <laughs> has been named the interim head coach. I believe this is the first time in NFL history that somebody who is not on the coaching staff, and by the way, this is a coaching staff that they just fired their offensive coordinator last week, which in kind of in kind of like a scapegoat move, uh, Mark, Marcus Brady is out. They have two former head coaches uh, <laughs> on the team, and our a guy we have mutual ties to John Fox uh, and Gus Bradley. They also have um, Ventrone there. Their special teams coordinator, Zach Kiefer mentioned him as like a rising potential head coaching candidate. No, they go past all that. Bring in old favorite Jeff Saturday. Again, a guy who was on TV like last week, Jeff Saturday. <laughs> now he's the head. I would love to know what the conversation between Jim Mercer and Jeff Saturday was to become the interim head coach of this team. Andy, <laughs> where do we, where do you want to start? Yeah, I um when I heard this news, I was actually watching uh I was actually watching Sports Center and uh Hannah Storm uh announced it and was clearly stunned. And it was yeah. all she could do to not giggle um at the news because obviously Jeff Saturday is a colleague and hey, to his credit, like everybody who's worked with him seems to really love him, right? Like for that sure. that much is really clear. There's a lot of respect for Jeff Saturday. Everybody likes the guy. This feels like like this. This is the that happens in the NBA, right? Like a, a team's going nowhere. Head coach gets fired middle of the season. There's like three assistants on the bench who have a combined 104 years of head coaching experience. And the team just goes out and instead hires like a former recently retired beloved point guard or something, right? With absolutely no head coaching experience. So that's pretty wild. He does have three years of experience as the head coach of, uh, I don't even remember the name of the school. It's a Christian Academy in Georgia, right? Um, he went 20 and 16 as a high school coach yeah, in the state of Georgia. He was the... I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but Hebron, Hebron Christian Academy Christian football Academy, team, yep. in Dul a town of some place I've never heard of in Georgia. Okay, I mean, which by the way, I, I I doubled back on so many things this morning, but the fact that Schefter felt the need to, or unironically, just put that at the end of the announcement, like, yes, <laughs> dude. I, the, you know, like, one of the other wild things about this was um, the way the manner in which Jim Irsay announced it on Twitter, like the tweet that he sent out with just the generic photo of a Colts helmet um, that simply said, we have parted ways with Frank Reich as if like th that is almost the text that you send to your spouse when you're like, hey, I'm going to try a new phone provider or a new let's try a new grocery store or <laughs> like it was just so matter of yeah. fact. Um, so that's pretty wild. No, no thanking of, of Frank Reich. It is, it is crazy. And then his, his, his tweet announcing the Jeff Saturday hiring, at least Jim Mercer had the decency to do it, uh, like to do a picture there of Jeff Saturday in like a Colts colored <laughs> polo talk. Seem, I'm guessing talking to the team at the facility, not, um, in a freaking suit on, uh, NFL yeah. live or something on ESPN. I, you have to wonder, and I, you know, but perhaps by the time people listen to this, there will be more reporting on the hire. Hard to believe they didn't talk to Peyton Manning before that, right? If they were going to go like a former player route, 
I don't know that this is the former player you would start with. Obviously, he has O-line experience, and the O-line has been a bit of a disaster. Maybe that's maybe that's the one thing they hope that he can accomplish over the balance of the season. I don't know, man. It's wild. There's almost no one left with the team currently who has any play calling experience whatsoever. No idea yeah. what the offense is going to look like. They just, as you know, they just played a game in which they gained 121 total net yards and scored three points, right? So, like, it's as bad as it can possibly get. Quarterback didn't complete a pass until, like, midway through the second quarter. Do they, uh, so they, they hold average- that? You and I were talking about this on Twitter. Do they, do they hold to this weird commitment they made to start Sam Ellinger for um, right. the rest of the season? Because that was, I almost glossed over it when they initially announced that they were shifting from Matt Ryan to him because it seemed so sensible that you could move on from Matt Ryan. That was kind of, it's kind of bold, but it was probably the right thing to do. But they immediately announced him as the rest of season starter, which is also crazy because he had no experience. You didn't know what this was going to look like. It was, such a ringing endorsement. And like, if things go sideways, then they're sideways for like months, um, which, which just yeah. seems in hindsight nuts. I, yeah, I completely agree with you. Right. Because I said this on the show with Scott last night. It's like when they announced that they're going to start him for the rest of the season, my reaction was immediately. Are you sure about that? Are you sure <laughs> you're going to start him for the rest of the season? Because that is a full on like, it's a tank move. I, I think yeah. it, ha- it has to be a tank move. And, you know, at the time, it was kind of reported like, okay, ownership is is likely pulling the strings here for this, like benching Matt Ryan and putting Sam Ellinger. Well, okay, now we know ownership is fully like, not even just like they've got their fingers in it. You know, Jim Mersey is like elbows deep in what's going on right now <laughs> at this point. Okay, pulling the strings, which is fine. You know what? It's his team. Okay, he's got he's well, not him, but like his family has spent the money to buy this team, and that's his right to do whatever the hell he wants with it. Like, okay. That's the way things work, okay? You buy something, this is your thing to mess around with, right? We know, we certainly know that is the but case. But we just had point. an off-season controversy about how, like, teams are expected to at least, you know, uh, outwardly look like they're trying to be competitive. And this uh, this is this is straight-up tanking and, and basically telling the rest of the league that they're tanking. And that's what's so crazy about it. And what I think, honestly, is unfortunate for the rest of the guys on the roster because... I'm not trying to be mean to Sam Ellinger, but he's a sixth round pick. Okay. It's not as if like we are now going to start if he was even a third round guy, like, you know, like he, like Malik Willis. Perfect. We're going to yeah. talk about Malik Willis here in a second. But um, if the Titans came out tomorrow and said, we're going to start Malik Willis the rest of the season, I think we'd all <laughs> more than raise an eyebrow at it. We'd be like, are you serious? You're like, are you really going to do that? That's kind of wild. Like you're going to bench a guy and Ryan Tannehill know he doesn't deserve to be benched you're gonna like that would be a pretty crazy decision but at least you'd be like all right well he's a third round pick and they're just looking for the future yeah. Sam Ellinger is like a six round pick a couple of like a couple like in what was he 2021 is this was this rookie season like and also he has no again not trying to be mean but he has no tangible like this is it. like everybody tried to talk him into the fact that he's been like, like oh he's gonna bring mobility he scrambled seven times for 50 yards and two starts like it's not yeah. That has not, and he's taken, by the way, he's taken a ton of sacks, just like Matt Ryan took a bunch of sacks. So I don't really get what the point of this is. And for the other guys on the roster, it's like, okay, this guy comes in from ESPN. And look, Jeff Saturday is a Colts legend. There's going to be some respect there for sure because he's played the game. This guy comes in, you know, from ESPN, isn't within the building every day, has to build these relationships now with this guy. We're still going to start this six-round pick for the rest of the season while we have a guy, at least with Matt Ryan, it's like, Matt Ryan's, again, a respected veteran in the league. He's been around, like, whether they know like they know they're going to lose now at this point but now it's like they're 
what I said last night, they're an unserious operation. Now they do yeah. an incredibly unserious thing now to double down on that. I don't know how guys like Michael Pittman, how guys like Jonathan Taylor and, you know, some of the guys on the offensive line aren't like, what the F are we doing here? And th I, that's got to bleed into the product on the field for the rest of the way. I'm I'm afraid that we have to worry about and and maybe this is just, you know, got him in a couple leagues and I'm I'm, you know, running through possible outcomes here. But like, I'm afraid we have to worry about like that because the team is so blatantly tanking right now. Like, do they just sit Jonathan Taylor at some point? He's not. I think that's he, he, on the. He does not table. have an injury that you would like. This isn't like Joe Mixon the year that he sat out games at the end of the year. And this isn't, you know, any number of cases where players have sat because they had like, you know, a, a severe high ankle sprain, a foot issue that really needed rest. Um, this, I, th this is not like a major issue to the best of my knowledge. And he was, he was a maybe for week nine. So it would be wild to, to actually sit him, uh, at this point for the rest of the year, but it does feel like he's maybe one injury away from the, cause you also don't want to, you know, how many, how many touches do you want to feed Jonathan Taylor in what is already a lost season, you know? Um, so I, I think that's a real possibility right now. So if you weren't, I guess if you weren't shopping him before, maybe you have to now. Yeah, I think it's worth the conversation. Absolutely. Like there is a hundred percent chance that if in two weeks he's still not feeling a hundred percent, they just go ahead and throw him on IR, which again, this is crazy. We're heading into week 10. Like this is not yeah. week 16. This is not week freaking 15 or something. Yeah. We have a long way to go. We just got into November. The season is pretty much two months, two more months. And this team is going to not play one of their best players for the next two months. It does seem crazy, but hiring a guy off TV uh, also right. seems crazy in the right. middle of the freaking season. Like, I just can't say enough how unprecedented and, and wild this is. And also, like, I don't even think it's really... I, I don't think it's, like, cute or endearing either. I think there's been, like, some talk about that. Uh, because, obviously, folks are going to talk about and I know it's it's already out there about, you know, how like minority head coaching candidates this will be just another thing. If you thought like the Josh McCown thing was egregious, this might be even more egregious. Right. Other than the fact oh, that absolutely. he has. Yeah. Other than the fact that he has a history with the team and like Schefter included that he's a consultant with the team uh, in his initial announcement, which, again, there's no this. He's not like on the coaching roster on the website period like he's not on the coaching staff so th that there's going to be feelings about that i also again bring it back to the guys on the field like if you're a guy bring back to michael pittman and not just because i really like michael pittman but i'm just using him as an example because this is a fantasy podcast and people have him on their fantasy teams if you're a guy like michael pittman and you know they're going to start this guy sam ellinger they're going to fire your head coach in the middle of the, the middle of the, the the season they're going to bring in this guy who You've probably met him maybe a couple times, Jeff Saturday, but you don't have any familiarity with. And, you know, this is supposed to be the middle of your pro. Oh, they're going to shut down the other guy on the offense, the other skill position frontline guy and Jonathan Taylor. This is supposed to be your prime earning years. And that's what I come back to. It feels obviously unfair to other coaching candidates out there. It also yep. feels unfair to the guys on the roster as well. Oh, it it absolutely does. This is a wild thing that, again, it, like you see this, like this exact scenario plays out in the NBA. This happens. Um, I, I can't uh, in certainly in my time covering and tracking the NFL. I can't think of another thing that that corresponds to this in any way. It's pretty wild. You're you're so right. It's a it's a wild message to send to the rest of the team. And this, this is also a team that like came into the season with, hey, we can win. We should win this division. We should probably win this division. Yeah, we're we're. 
we're playoff contenders. Um, uh, we're favorites. Like, like that was, it was, yeah. it is wild how things have swung for this franchise. Yeah, they went off the rails rather quickly. Well, we will get back on the rails for the rest of the show because I think we could probably sit here and talk for another hour about <laughs> this Jeff Saturday, Frank Reich thing. And, you know, by the way, Frank Reich, will he'll he'll rebound at some point. It, things did not go well. And we didn't, oh God, we didn't even talk about like, how this all like I I got this news this morning when I was on um my, my wife and I walked you know like three miles every morning or whatever uh we were in the middle of that and I was like well for the Colts fire Frank Reich and she's like what is that about so I had to like bring it all the way back to like the drafting of Andrew Luck the retirement of it like we, we yeah. could like we could go a long way on like the sliding door moments for Frank Reich and all that but it seems like a good guy I think he's a good offensive coach um, he'll probably get another shot at this. And it's crazy to think Frank Reich wasn't even supposed to be the head coach of the Colts. That was supposed to be Josh McDaniels. Right. Oh man. What a, <laughs> like, yeah, we could go another two hours. Uh, let me rephrase that. We could go another two hours, not another hour on this, but we'll stop here. We'll go back to the rest of the show. Um, I don't know how to transition out of all that into a pretty typical <laughs> news item. Like Romeo Dobbs has a high ankle sprain and Aaron Jones is fine to play in week 10. But Andy, those do seem to be the realities uh, that we're dealing with the with the broken Green Bay Packers offense. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the Packers offense could also be its own podcast series, right? Like Aaron Rodgers coming off. I, I don't like I haven't looked at the Aaron Rodgers game log. I can't believe he's played a, another game that poorly um, in like a decade. That was unbelievable. And so much of it was on him. Um, there were uh, obviously hilarious misfires to Sammy Watkins, right? Like it looked like Sammy Watkins had just joined the team that day. Um, they were talk about like never on the same page. So there's uh, like Christian Watson gets hurt again in the game. There's just nothing behind Romeo Dobbs. It's Dobbs, it's Lazard. And there's, there's just, there ain't no help coming. There's nothing else in this receiving core. And um, it, it would be one thing if Aaron Rodgers, you know, was clearly playing very well and and he was just vastly superior to his receiving core. But this was, I mean, he hit an opposing player in the face uh, and got picked off. And like everything was under, th I don't know how many balls he underthrew uh, on Sunday. It was brutal. This was the primary game that I was watching because I thought it was going to be a Sorry. shootout because I thought it was going to be really fun for fantasy. It was an absolute nightmare um, on, on both sides. No points, no yards, so many takeaways. Um, just an absolutely brutal watch. So I don't like, I, I don't have, I don't have a guy when Romeo Dobbs goes down, I don't have a guy for you to like go out no. and get, there's no, like, there's no fantasy takeaway here, except that, wow, that really sucks if you had Dobbs, because there's just no, like, I'm not, not going to tell you to go get Sammy Watkins. He was brutal. Um, I'm yeah. not, I'm, you know, Alan Lazard is rostered and, and that's it. Yeah, he Sam Watkins is probably like the leader in the clubhouse for the enough already award of this yeah. season. Like really enough already with Sammy Watkins. It would be nice if Christian Watson could not get injured and and we could see more of him cuz I mean the Packers are a developmental team right now. Like that's where they're yeah. at. They're not making the you know, they're not making the playoffs, okay? Like the Giants are they have too good of a record. The Seahawks have too good of a record like in terms of NFC like wild, you know, the, like they're, they're just not going to make the playoffs, period. There was there was an argument to be made. And I like I guess it's good that they didn't do it because they still have Aaron Rodgers and what should be, you know, the back end of his peak. But there was a, certainly an argument for the Packers to be sellers at the trade deadline. And they obviously weren't. No, they um, they almost bought the greatest receiver core of all time. <laughs> actually, is what they all they almost were able to acquire Darren Waller, Chase Claypool, Jerry Judy uh, and DJ, DJ Moore. Moore. Almost almost. Yeah. By the way. 
like there's one for sure good player in that group in DJ Moore. So I'm not sure that 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 those headlines were doing the work they thought whoever leaked those from Green Bay. I don't think they were doing the work that you thought they were doing. Um yeah, you're right. There's really no fantasy takeaway here. And I'm almost kind of glad that we don't have to, if Aaron Jones truly is like fine, he's going to play in week 10. I'm almost kind of glad we don't have to do a round of like, all right, where are we ranking AJ Dillon? Who has been, yeah. ter- I mean, yeah, he's been terrible this year. Uh, like no, ex- like no excusing it. That, that draft with like Jordan Love, uh, Josiah DeGuerre, I kind of forgot he was like a third round pick for this team. And, you know, he ain't doing anything at tight end either. It's like that was a brutal draft. AJ Dillon looked like the one salvageable piece of it. And he's had a really poor season so far this year. I'm kind of glad we don't have to do a round of that. Um, gut yeah, instinct, he had shots at the uh, goal had, line against the against the Lions, too. Like, it's not like he didn't have opportunities in uh, in week nine, didn't take advantage of him. And um, like it, it's notable watching him run how 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 long it takes him to like gear down and and change direction on the field is pretty wild it's not um he doesn't he sometimes doesn't look like a running back like he is he's you know he's fun when he's just getting north south but it takes him forever to change direction i saw somebody say his best plays of this year have come as a lead blocker and that one yeah. stung um again i i think i said this on a, one of the podcasts leading up to last week but i'll just say it again like our, all of our alarm bells should have been going off when Aaron Rodgers is like, I think I can get both A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones to the 50 catch club. It's like, mm, if that's what your offense is going to look like this year, your offense is going to suck. Just yeah. just a heads up. If you got two running backs catching 50 plus passes, it's not going to look good. The Packers offense has sucked uh, so far. Uh, Andy, gut instinct call here. Aaron Rodgers, is he on this team next year? And if the answer is no, how does he get off it? Trade, retirement floor is yours wow um i hadn't really considered this it wouldn't i mean it certainly wouldn't shock me if he were to retire right like he's a um he's probably gonna go on like another off-season sabbatical soul-searching inner journey somewhere and who knows what his uh perspective is going to be when he comes back from that like if you i, I don't know he, like he's it's hard to take a lot of the things that he says seriously, but I do take him at his word that he was that he was legitimately at a crossroads a handful of years ago. Um, I yeah, I can imagine him. I can imagine him retiring. I don't know that I can imagine another team. You know, bunch of bunch of young quarterback talent in this draft class. Um, there's probably going to be some teams that are near the top of the draft that aren't actually going to be in on a quarterback. So like, I don't know, you've got opportunities to draft someone young. Um, Aaron Rodgers, while he has been undeniably great, comes with some baggage. Um, so I don't, I don't know that he's like anyone's plan A anymore necessarily. He's He's probably still on this team if he's still in the league. Um, but I, I mean, I'd, I guess I'd put the chances of him retiring at, I don't know, that, that just listening to him in postgame comments, it feels like 20 percent, 25 percent. It definitely yeah. feels like a possibility. Yeah, the thing, his contract is an absolute albatross. And I have no idea like what they I just don't know what the future of the Packers looks like, but I know that we will not be discussing them as a high-quality fantasy offense the rest of the way. Um, yep. A couple other things here quickly. Uh, this one came from Ian Rapport just you know this morning. Uh, Bills quarterback Josh Allen's likely to be limited this week because of an elbow injury suffered late in Sunday's loss, but as of now, it's considered a situation to monitor rather than an ailment that would keep him out of the game. Sources say he's still undergoing tests to be sure. Um, any level of, con- like, I, you know, I've lived through the Jake DeLome experience, the Tommy, the Tommy John experience. Um, 
We've all lived through the Ben Roethlisberger experience with his elbow injury. Just something I think to definitely keep an eye on. And, it, you know, I don't know. You, you have any level of panic over this? Yeah, it's in the back of my head a little bit. He did still put the ball in the air a million yards and hit Gabe Davis in the numbers uh, after after suffering the injury, right? So um, I, I like I think he's going to be fine. He seemed to be downplaying it immediately afterwards, but that's you know that's in the moments uh, following a tough loss, and maybe it's the kind of thing that doesn't really bark until the following day. Not sure. Um, it was clearly bothering him on the field and not in the not in the way that like sometimes Aaron Rodgers wants you to know that something is bothering him like I, that's not really josh allen right josh allen isn't yeah. the guy who's like showing you his injury all game so a li- little bit of concern um but i'm i again it's a it's a case where he was so uh dismissive of it following the game that i'm i'm uh, cautiously optimistic i guess the kind of nice thing about the bills offense is that it's a little bit emerged uh sneakily as like stefan Diggs and nobody else uh yeah. scott and i asked last night if we were allowed to have the gabe davis conversation with with the gabe davis bros about how things have not gone well uh outside of really just one eruption game uh he's been fine in a couple others and absolutely nothing in four others but um you know Isaiah McKenzie not working really as the slot receiver. They haven't turned over to Khalil Shakir. Their backfield's kind of split between a lot of dudes right now. So um, at least for the time being, it's like, okay, if Josh Allen's going to be limited for the next couple of weeks, you're not going to not play Stefan Diggs and everybody else. You can kind of just move out of your like starting consideration at this point. Cause they really, you know, other than Davis, who I'm not going to totally give up on and Dawson Knox to- like the same way, those guys obviously still have high ceilings, but you're sort of going to view them as boom bust, but you kind of already were. I, I feel like the right take to have had about Gabe Davis coming into the season was sort of that that middle ground take that you had, which was this um, is Gabe Davis centrist. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that was that was the actual right take. Like his worst his worst games are pretty bad, like his worst games. And he just had one at the end of the regular season last year are pretty bad and pretty inefficient. And he does not catch half the passes coming his way. And then his best games are, you know, you win and the Bills win. And, um, you know, he gets loose for like multiple touchdowns. That's basically what we've seen. And that will probably deliver a really bumpy wide receiver two-ish kind of season, right? And that's just, he's sort of the player that we should have thought he was um, coming into the year. The other... The other people who are going to probably end up right are the the folks who are saying that Dawson Knox is in for the worst touchdown regression. And I talked myself into this idea that, you know what, Josh Allen's going to throw 45 touchdown passes. And if he does that, there's no way that Dawson Knox isn't catching like seven of them. And that makes him a tight end one. And it's just it's just not happening. Yeah, I was I was on that side. Like, I don't mean to say I'm smarter than everybody. I think folks that listen to this podcast should know that I'm I'm not that guy, <laughs> um, because I was definitely on that a Dawson Knox thing with you. He's 20 catches for 183 yards and two <laughs> touchdowns so far this yeah. season. Like, and and I I did draft a ton of Dawson Knox and like his stats look like a goal line back. Okay. You know, like two carries for 10 yards and a touchdown, except those are two catches for 10 yards and a touchdown, right? Like that's how the Dawson Knox experience has gone. But I just think the Gabe Davis one, it's like, that's the player he is. That's the producer. He is that happens with these guys sometimes. And there wasn't a lot of room and there was nothing, no evidence on, I think when you actually watched him on film, that there was a lot of room for growth there. But, um, you know, I think he's good. I think he's still, you know, fine player that offers a lot of tactical value to the bills. Um, but I do think their, their passing game needs somebody else to emerge beyond Stefan Diggs and certainly needs Josh Allen's elbow to be fine. Last thing here before we recap Sunday Night Football, NFL Network's Tom Pelissero reports that Panthers will start P.J. Walker on Thursday night against the Falcons. They've also activated Sam Darnold. 
from injured reserve. I still think there's a chance we see Sam Darnold before the end of the season, which is like not something I enjoy saying. But I think even though PJ Walker had like the poop your pants game of all time against the Bengals, which is not the first time he said this type of game in the NFL, by the way, I think this is probably the right decision. Um, PJ Walker also made the throw of the year two weeks ago. So maybe he's like, you know, he kind of fits with the Gabe Davis discussion of his best moments are like as good as are breathtaking and his worst moments, which happen with greater frequency are pretty damn bad. Uh, (laughs) But there's no good options here, right? Like, I can't believe we're talking about a team that has to choose between uh, the worst version of Baker Mayfield, uh, a a recently rehabbed Sam Darnold, and P.J. Walker. Um, There's just no, there's no good solution there. P.J. Walker is at least fun. Um, Darnold uh, and Mayfield have just been absolute misery, so I kind of hope they stick with Walker. I made a I made a decent sized bid uh, last week on Walker in Charles Robinson's twenty team super league. So like I Ooh, need him boy. as a bye week filler at some point because quarterbacks just, just simply can't be found. Um, so I'm hoping he's able to hold on for like a couple weeks. Now oh, there you go. All right, Sunday night football: Chiefs twenty, Titans seventeen. I want to start with the Titans because I know they lost the game, uh, and I know Titans fans are pissed about some of the officiating. Whatever. Okay. Titans fans pissed about a lot of stuff. We'll get to that in a second. Um, I want to start with the Titans, though, because, my God, like, I cannot remember a team that I think, like, I think the Titans are a good team. They're in the AFC South. We get it. The AFC South stinks. But the Titans win that thing every year. Mike Vrabel is such a damn good coach. Um, that that was a really, really good defensive game plan that they rolled out against this team. They just got beat by a superstar in the end. That happens. But I cannot remember a team that I felt like, such good like vibes about organizationally that just offers you literally next to nothing in fantasy because it is Derrick Henry and quite literally like nobody else that like no receiver that should be ranked like when we do our fantasy pros you know rankings it's like make sure you go after you get the the default inputted in just go ahead and click xxxx on every titans (laughs) like name in there just to get them out of the the rankings because there's no receiver that should be even in like the top what do, you, what do you rank like 60 65 70 guys at the receiver something like that usually by the by the time by the end of the week at receiver i've probably got like 80 guys in there because like i remember yeah. some guys uh, as the week Same. goes along and i start dragging some people in because other guys are missing practice right so i probably end up 75 to 80 something like that and you know I, it's, it's been a lot of weeks when i had robert woods as like a top you know first he'd be like 50 and then he and then he fell to like 60. And now I don't know, is he a top 70 receiver? I mean, he just what it was Malik Willis. Um, but like this wasn't all on Malik Willis. Malik Willis made some good throws that hit people in the hands um, and they didn't pull him in. Right. Uh, Woods finishes yeah. with zero catches on two targets. Nobody had more than two catches in this game. Like Austin Hooper's two catches led the team. Um, that's a little no rough. wide receiver caught a pass. You know, Chris right. Conley, right. Nick Westbrook, Aquino, none of those guys. Conley probably came the closest like he's he's the there was a notable ball to him sideline route hit him in both hands um, nothing <laughs> so like but I hey he's what are you gonna do he's Chris Conley like these are these are your options um, there are no there are no great talents on that team in that receiving core no like we'll see what happens when Traylon Burks I've got my question about questions about Traylon Burks uh, as a player like with some of the route running stuff but I'm, he's going to make some of those catches that, that we saw like Chris yeah. Conley not make last night, like some of those go ball contested catch stuff. Like 
Uh, this team certainly needs Ryan Tannehill back under center, but man, their receiver core is just, it's strikingly weak. And, you know, there are, there are many Titans fans that you, if you even, and like, I know AJ Brown was even tweeting this game, which like, come on, AJ, man, like you're, you broke up with your ex. Okay. Like don't go stalk her Instagram <laughs> or whatever, you know, like let it go. Not what I, not what I would personally do, but I'm not going to here to tell AJ Brown how to live his life. Like if you t- even dare like tweet about AJ Brown during a Titans game or even like tangentially uh, in related to the yeah. Titans, like Titans fans will immediately remind you that like we offered him a contract. But it's like, well, I don't know how to remind you this fa- fellas, but um, how the market works is that like, if somebody's going to pay you more, which the Eagles were going to pay him 25 million, the Titans were not. That's where you go to, especially when the team is going to willingly give you there. So I think the Titans are going to be fine long term without A.J. Brown. It's just this year there's not going to be anything pretty much in in fantasy. So don't get so upset, Titans fans. It's just this is the team you're rolling with this year. I think the team knew that this was a possibility and they're kind of like retooling while still being competitive. And But for yeah. us fantasy dorks, like the only thing that matters is Derrick Henry and that's it. Titans could have got in on the Chase Claypool sweepstakes, but they didn't. Bears won it. For the best, for the best that they did not. By the way, they did. <laughs> he would they don't actually need be anyone a perfect else. Titans receiver. Oh my I gosh. was just gonna say they don't. They don't need. I'm not that I'm trying to tell you the guy you just your team shipped off the second round pick for is going to be like Chris Conley in seven years. But <laughs> some of the same folks on Twitter who are bagging on the Bears for oh you or like or, or like applauding the Bears for shipping off a linebacker a really really good linebacker getting a second round pick and then sending a second round pick for an athletic receiver some of the same folks that are we're definitely Chris Conley bros I'm just gonna say that um it's a good call Chiefs talk about them no running game we knew that was not gonna be the case we don't care about that backfield the Titans are the best run defense in the NFL our guy Juju though Andy 10 catches 12 targets 88 yards he, he's Juju. Like he looks like Juju in this offense, a guy who's going to win underneath, who's going to be physical. And I think his role has stabilized in a receiver core. That's otherwise pretty unstable um, because now like MVS's snaps and routes are down. Like sky Moore's a little bit up. Kadarius Tony's in the mix now, but I'm pretty sure this is just going to be for the rest of the season. You know, McCall Hartman doesn't look like a guy who's ready to give his job up either. Right? Like that's the thing when we're trying to get sky Moore on the field, we're trying to get uh, Kadarius Tony on the field. Like, are they are the Chiefs really just going to give McCole Hardman's job up because he still made some plays last night? Yeah. So a couple things here. Um, number one, like the uh, signature game in, in terms of the Mahomes MVP argument this year. Um, yeah, re- like sure. just really remarkable performance, uh, given the fact that like, you know, you, you mentioned they didn't have a run game like their longest run by a running back was three yards. Um, the the running back who led them in rushing, it was four carries for five yards, right? Like this wasn't just like a uh, bummer. The running backs didn't do anything. This was, this was like shockingly poor production from a running game. Juju, uh, I, I was just looking at um, numbers on uh, yards after the catch this season. And he's 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 obviously he's had three tremendous weeks in a row. He is now he's now fourth in the NFL in yards after the catch. He's got 315 yards mm-hmm. after the catch. Like that whole list is a who's good at at the receiver position list, right? Like Cooper Cup is on top. Justin Jefferson is second. Tyreek Hill is third. Then it's Juju. Then it's Jalen Waddle. Then it's Debo. Then it's AJ Brown. Then it's Diggs. Like it's that's a that's a good player list. And Juju's right in the middle of it. He's 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 playing very well. Like it took a few weeks. It took a little time. Um, but he's he's definitely been like you know wherever you drafted him. There's there's been a profit there. I 
I think the I think the Hardman usage is really is super interesting because like it's not just that you know you can you can look at these all the five touchdowns over the last three weeks and say well maybe that's a little fluky. Um, maybe he's just like a pillar of what they do in goal to go situations now, though, because he's four of those five touchdowns are like shorties. They're they're eight yards or less. These are like goal line situations in which he's scoring. And it's probably the best use of him because like wh- when you send him wh- when you send him deep, um, when he's out there running like deep routes, intermediate routes. That's where like some of the only instances that we've seen in the last, you know, in the Patrick Mahomes era of him just absolutely not being on the same page with a receiver. It's almost always with McCall Hardman. But this quick hit stuff to Hardman where he just gets to be elusive and he just gets to be like faster than anybody else on the field. That's that's working. Um, These have been these have been really fun plays the last three weeks. Yeah, I think that's how this offense is going to look the rest of the season. Like, Kelsey's going to do his thing. 10 catches, 17 targets, 106 yards. He had some, obviously, signature moments in that game. Mahomes is going to do some superstar stuff. I mean, to take that game over from, like, a rushing perspective. And, again, I know Titans fans. Some questionable calls. Whatever. I don't care. Um, You know, Mahomes takes that game over his legs. But, like... Juju does his thing. I think Juju will continue doing his thing, but everybody else is going to be like a total crapshoot. Like if you had to start yeah. MVS, like I, I talked about him on FFL as like a bi-week desperation filler. Well, you know, getting into the MVS game, you might either get four catches for 111 yards or you're going to get what you got last night, which is, you know, nothing. So I think Hardman will continue to pop up. Like they'll get Tony a little more involved. Like Sky Moore is still going to be there too, but like all of those guys, it's going to be really tough to not just straight up cannibalize each other. And I think the fact that McCole Hardman is playing and playing pretty well is really a problem for, you know, nobody cares about Sky Moore in, in redraft anymore. But like if you want Kadarius Tony to get on the field, like he's not taking Juju's job. He's going to have to take Hardman's job because he can't really play X yeah. receiver like MVS. And I just don't know when that happens at this point. I feel like I feel like Hardman is actually like a sneaky problem for Pacheco and Edwards Hilaire too, right? Because he's just mm, yes, been so damn effective. Like when they get when they get inside the five yard line, like they just put him, you know, they get him sort of isolated on the perimeter, and he makes a move, and he's in the end zone. Like that's that's super effective, and I, I kind of feel like we're going to see a bunch of it the rest of the season. All right, we need to take a quick break. When we come back. We'll run through the waiver wire ads of the week. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, Andy, let's start at the running back position. Give us your list of guys and, you know, kind of spotlight one or two players that you think are really key here. Um, there's there's one player that I want to sort of exclude from, like, he kind of breaks the rules for who we normally talk about here, and that's um, that's Jeff Wilson. I, I want to mention him a little bit because he's his roster percentage is over 50%. Um, again, we don't normally discuss guys that are that are already on a team in a majority of Yahoo leagues, but I, I sort of feel like some of those teams, I don't know, tens of thousands of those teams are probably like deadbeat squads that have just <laughs> left Jeff Wilson on yeah. the roster after he was an obvious drop following the McCaffrey trade, right? Like, I don't, I don't have a good reason why he's actually rostered in over 50% of Yahoo leagues. So I just want to talk about him a little bit. 
because he was I, he was also out there like some of the leagues that I play in they're like hometowny and you know 10 teams 12 teams he was actually available in those I think almost everybody thought he was a little bit of a low-key winner after the trade deadline right because he moves from a place where he was buried like he's he wasn't going to work as he certainly wasn't going to really work into the mix in a meaningful way with McCaffrey um and and then he had an Eli Mitchell problem too but then he shows up in Miami and he's familiar with the offense and he's just one Raheem Mostert injury away from relevance and then immediately week one, like with the team for a few days, um, plays like 48% of the snaps and is already basically in a 50, 50, uh, job share with, uh, with Mostert found the end zone, re really nifty move after, after a, a short catch, uh, in, in a really fun game against the bears. So like he's, he's going to be relevant rest of season as like an RB two in a big, in a deep league or a, a flex in almost any other league. Cause this is, this is more than I expected him to play initially. And I think if he's out there in your, in your league, he's, he's probably the priority at running back, but again, a little bit over 50%, but I, but I think he's the player that I am most interested in other guys that I wrote about. We find a place to talk about Rashad White every week. Um, I, I think he's graduated from the stash to the to the guys that we could just say, you know, he's not he's not really a stash anymore. Like I can almost like squint and say, hey, bad bye week, I might play him because um, he's played 35 percent of the snaps in like four of the last six games. He's got a little life to him. Didn't didn't have some splashy line or anything like that in the in the Rams game. But he's a good player, talented receiver um, who would obviously blow up if anything happened to Fournette. Other guys that I wrote about uh, this week, Jalen Warren, and that was really just an indictment of Najee Harris, who's been terrible. Um, Chuba Hubbard probably coming back pretty soon. He was at least a limited participant in practice last week, so he's he's probably going to re-enter the mix. Um, they've got Atlanta this week, and the the last guy uh, that I that I think deserves a little bit of discussion is Latavius Murray. There was an initial you know, post-trade deadline um, reaction, maybe isolated to like the fantasy industry on Twitter that was very pro Chase Edmonds after uh, after he got flipped to Denver. I just want to remind people that Chase Edmonds has been the worst running back in the NFL this year. Like, I, like yeah. I just I just said Najee Harris has been really bad, but like Chase Edmonds is, you know, less than three yards a carry and um, the lowest rate of yards after contact by a lot um, of any back in the NFL. And he was doing that in an offense where he was getting don't, a lot of Don't the forget same. he can't catch either, Andy. Don't yeah, forget and apparently the receiving specialist, the new receiving specialist out of the backfield for Denver can't, like, seemingly can't catch either. Like, yeah, I don't know. Leads all, leads all uh, running backs and drops by, by a lot at 33%. He's just been absolutely brutal. And so I, I think Latavius basically holds on to the role that he's already had. And he is actually the least rostered member of the Denver backfield right now. Yeah, that's a good call. Um, I don't love the idea. Uh, well, it's certainly like Latavius Murray now going against the Titans, who we just talked about. Great, great run defense. Like if you have to start Latavius Murray, your team is probably not in a good spot um, yeah. generally, but certainly this week. But I do like that you highlight uh, here that he gets the Raiders coming up like the Raiders defense. My God, what a what a disaster show. So that should be a good spot for Murray. But oh man, it, it's going to take a lot for me to get excited about that backfield. He's probably the most boring member here on the the uh, the list that you have. But <laughs> I get why you I get what it's you fair. It's fair. Um, wide receiver, though, does have some more interesting uh, names to it this week. Yeah, we we discussed uh, Nicole Hardman within the context of the Sunday night game. Like again, I, and he's rostered in about forty eight percent of Yahoo leagues right now, so he's barely eligible for this conversation. But five touchdowns in his last three games, 
they're just using the heck out of him at the goal line. Like it's uh, four of these five touchdowns have been eight yards or less. Um, at, like the, the score on Sunday night was something that you can imagine being repeated throughout the season. And like, it's Kansas City. So like, I feel like we can get excited about touchdowns here um, because the team is going to average over 30 points per game, right? They have a wizard of a quarterback and there are going to be some blow up Hardman weeks. So I think he's probably the most interesting name. Probably got to talk about Terrace Marshall again. And I get it. Yeah. If you if you don't want any investment in the Panthers offense, that's prudent. Um, that is that is certainly one way to proceed. And I understand it. But this is like it's two pretty useful games in a row. Uh, two weeks ago, it was nine targets and 87 yards against Atlanta. He's going to face them again this weekend. Uh, he found the end zone for the first time in his NFL career on Sunday. That was good to see. And a point that you've made about Terrace Marshall a whole bunch of times is that uh, they you know, they're playing him out of the slot last year. He was, I think it was, I just looked up the numbers. I think it was 177 snaps out of the slot last season. He entered week nine, having only played nine slot snaps. Like they've just, they've just ditched that and it's for the best. And he's pretty clearly the number two receiver for a team that is not always going to support two or even one uh, viable fantasy receivers. But I I think he's pretty interesting as a deep league ad. Um, Other guys who are going to be out there, Every receiver on the Giants. Um, currently, I would have the most interest in Wandale Robinson and Darius Slayton. They've got Houston next, and then they've got Detroit. Those are very friendly matchups, so not going to be a surprise if one or both of those players has a day at some point in the next two weeks. And um, I, I think we need to take a look at DeAndre Carter, too. I don't I don't think you're going to get some blow-up game out of DeAndre Carter, and he's really only getting heavy usage because Keenan Allen is injured, but there's no there's no end in sight to that. And Mike Williams also injured, uh, and there's no obvious end in sight to that either. So it's like Josh Palmer and DeAndre Carter are 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 pretty steadily looking at like seven to ten targets a game for the for the foreseeable future. You can't get Palmer anymore, but you can get Carter. I think all of these guys have some decent staying power especially in like multiple flex leagues you know start three wide receiver leagues um i really think marshall i feel pretty good about him kind of turning his career around as a pure outside receiver talked about that a little bit last night with scott you know i do want to spotlight the the giants guys just because like wando robinson darius slayton totally agree with your analysis like those guys should be i think they should be rostered both of them but if you had to pick between the two because they going into this well, obviously they were on buy last week going into their buy. They each had an identical target share the last three weeks, but I believe I'm going off the top of my head here. Darius Slayton, 33% of the air yards, Wandale Robinson, like 11% of the air yards in that same stretch, which just shows they could not be more different as wide receivers. Yeah. So picking between the two guys, which one would you prioritize? I think yeah. Wandale's going to be, he's going to be targeted near the line of scrimmage a lot, right? Exciting player, electric player, maybe a little bit, uh, Rondell Moorish, I guess. Um, but yes, uh, just good, good comparison. Yeah. Just that. So it would have to be the sort of league, you know, have to be like a full point PPR league where I'd probably be a little bit more interested in Wandale. Um, I don't, I don't think there's a ton of upside. I mean, that's not breaking news, but I don't think there's a ton of upside for any Giants receiver. Um, I don't think we're going to see like a four or five touchdown game from Daniel Jones. I doubt that's in the cards, even with great matchups on deck. Um, I'm I'm a little bit more comfortable with Darius Slayton's floor. I think Wandale's ceiling might be exciting, but it probably comes down to a to a format, right? Like if it's half PPR, I might lean Slayton. If it's full PPR, I might lean Wandale. Wandale, Rondale, that's going to be... <laughs> that's gonna be fun 
That's going to be fun because I, I, that's a really good comparison I think I've made before and I think like everybody will make going forward. That should be a real fun one to mess up uh, the rest of the way. Let's move to quarterbacks here. Um, uh, again, no season saver in this bunch, but some interesting guys for at least matchup plays. No, the the right answer was last week and, and the week before Justin Fields, right? Like, and that yeah. he's going to end up having been the um, the waiver. How are you feeling about Fields, bro? I mean, ooh, so exciting. <laughs> like, I'm, I actually, I broke out the Fields shirt for this podcast. Oh, um, nice. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm just super excited about it because it's, you know, and like the Green Bay game still happened this year and the Washington game still happened and the Giants game and all that. But like, I, I thought that Fields' best moments last year were the best moments for, for better. It wasn't a great year for the rookie class of quarterbacks, obviously, but I thought his best moments, the Pittsburgh game, the Niners game, I, I, I thought they were the best moments that anybody had um, from that rookie class. And I mean, nobody in NFL history has had a game exactly like the one that Fields just did, right? Like 178 yards out of a quarterback is crazy. He has 408 rushing yards over the last four weeks um, and yeah. ma- and made some throws against Miami, too. So that was exciting. And then, like, his next two weeks are, are Detroit and Atlanta. So he's got a great schedule ahead. It's just been really promising. Like, the, obviously, the, the – shoot, I, I'm, I'm going to seem like a guy who, like, is really focused on uh, – you know, because I think I mentioned somebody's like uh, top end speed on a run, like the next gen stat thing where they're like, oh, we reached 21 miles an hour or whatever. Like, I don't I don't usually think that stuff is important, but like Justin Fields had like three of the top, I don't know, six speeds or something like that from uh, from week nine, which was pretty exciting to see. Like he just he gets a couple steps and he can be gone. Um, super yeah. exciting game. Miami was spying him, too. That's the other crazy thing. Like they were spying mm-hmm. him a lot. And he just dusted off the spy like several times. Um, re- like just really thrilling game to to watch in real time. And it's going to be fun to rewatch too. But he's not our subject because you can't go get him now <laughs> unless it's a really. I got to give you some time to time to feel good about it, though, man. Come on. I mean, I feel so good about it. And they lost the game, right? Like the Bears are one of those teams that is should probably not be in the business of, of trying to make a playoff run or trying to get to 500 or anything like that. Like. They should care about draft position. They're clearly positioning themselves for that. So like a loss in which Justin Fields levels up is just the perfect game for me. So it was it was great to see. Um, there's no Justin Fields on your waiver wire right now. Right? <laughs> like, this is this is a, a sketchy group that I'm about to name. But I think the most interesting names that are widely available right now, um, I'd probably st- and this is tough, but I'd probably start with Jared Goff because um, he's facing the Bears this week. He is the guy who gets to throw to Aminara. We like that. You know, hopefully we get to see a little bit more DeAndre Swift on the field. Um, we would like him as well. He also faces Chicago, and Chicago was like a bad defense to begin the season, and they have since ditched uh, Quinn, uh, uh, Roquan, right? Like they're a bad defense that deliberately got worse. They got carved up by Miami. They got carved up by Dallas, and there is a very good chance that this Detroit Bears game is going to be a bit of a shootout, right? Like if, if that, if the total in that game ends up over 50, not going to be much of a surprise. I don't think either defense is going to be able to stop the opponent. Um, should be like it'd be a totally meaningless game in, uh, in the real world and super fun in fantasy. So I think, I think golf might be a little bit fun this week. Uh, the other guys that I mentioned in the column were Daniel Jones, um, only because he's got, you know, we talked about it with the Giants receivers. He's got Houston coming up, then Detroit. And um, Garoppolo's got the Chargers, and then he's got Arizona. And, like, Garoppolo's just that, like, I don't know. We, we could just cut and paste the same comment about Garoppolo every time. His floor is probably 225 and two touchdowns. His ceiling is probably 275 and two touchdowns. Like, he's 
he hasn't, he doesn't have a three touchdown game since 2020. I want to say like early in the 2020 season. So it's been a while. Um, you're just not going to get a blow up game, but he's got great weapons and he pretty much always gives you one or two scores. Yeah. I like that call a lot. Let's move to tight ends here. Um, there's at least some interesting young guys we could discuss. Uh, not sure. Uh, well, one, one of these guys I think could be a potential every week start, but uh, you, you go ahead, Andy. Tell, tell the folks out there. I think the potential every week start, uh, and you can tell me right away if you think this is wrong, but I think it's Greg Dulcich. Um, yes, agree. Yeah, I, I think that guy could be like a top eight. It's it's not saying a lot to say that a guy can be no, a yeah. top eight fantasy tight end rest of season because it's like it's it's like t- with Mark Andrews injured, it's like Travis Kelsey and then just a bunch of dudes. Um, so but I do think that Dulcich can be that because we haven't seen him have a bad game yet. Um, you know, 87 yards last time out, nine targets the game before 39 yard touchdown catch in his first NFL game. And he's he's playing like 80 percent of the snaps like he's always on the field. This guy's going to be pretty good. And Russell Wilson has been has been staring at his tight ends all season. So um, it's a it's a friendly spot for him. He's got Tennessee coming up. That's obviously a generous pass defense. He's got the Raiders after that. So a couple of friendly spots uh, ahead for him. Other guys that I think are kind of interesting, um, like Kate Otten. Uh, it was a pretty good game for Kate Otten. Caught the caught the game winner uh, for the Bucks. I I don't know what the Cameron Brate situation is. He obviously practiced last week. If he comes back, he is surely going to play and he's going to muck this up for for Otten. But Otten looks like a thing, like he looks like a real player. Um, so I think he's pretty interesting. Again, uh, Cameron Brake can still screw that up. And then my my way of getting to Justin Fields was going to be a discussion of Cole Komet. But um, you allowed me to do that in the quarterback section, which I appreciate. Um, but Komet scored <laughs> three times you. over the last two games uh, that, you know, easily this this past week, too, like the the. The Bears offense has has fixed itself in an important way, and it's made, uh, you know, whatever your plans were for Cole Komet this season, like you probably dropped him early in the year, and he's just going to be somebody else's, you know, uh, uh, sort of dumpster dive gold, right? Because he's been he's been pretty good. And I can imagine I can imagine Cole Komet sneaking into the top 10, top 12 as well. Yeah, I like that call a lot. Um, maybe this will be that'll be a your right and wrong within the course of one season yes the Cole Komet thing if he ends up uh, hitting because like it could not have been a worse run out through the first eight weeks but if he does get back on track and I just think everything with the Bears offense prior to that I, I just really think that Thursday night loss and and again I have no idea if it was the Ryan Fitzpatrick like kind of laying into Luke Getze after the game um, if that was like the inflection point of like Luke Getze's like wow I can't have Ryan Fitzpatrick talking that mean about me after Thursday <laughs> I gotta get in the lab here but everything about that offense has been different since that point so it's like everything yeah. before then you can kind of throw out and now I think guys like Mooney are on the radar I think guys like Cole Komet can get back on the radar because that is a change inflection point uh, there within the season Let's get negative. Let's talk about guys we're dropping. Um, you have Aaron Rodgers, which I think we've explained why you need to go ahead and drop Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Um, if you're if you're still hanging on, I got I just got nothing for you. I mean, he 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 had the he had the get right spot and they got a little bit worse, right? Like they had they had the matchup with Detroit and you were like, okay, Aaron Rodgers is gonna fix his season. This is gonna be good. Dobbs is a start, Lazard is a start, this is gonna be great. Um, is just a miserable game. One of the worst of his career. Um, he was off the receiving core is, you know, got a little bit more injured. Uh, there's just, I got no hope. I have no, we talked about at the top of the show when discussing Dobbs, like I just, I don't, I don't have an answer for you. Like Dobbs goes down and I don't have a guy to recommend. Um, cause there's nothing there I want. 
And Rodgers has just been bad. Like he came into week nine, he hadn't thrown for more than 255 yards in any game this season. I'd, I would never project him to eclipse that in any game for the remainder of the season because it's just a it's just a terrible group of receivers. He is he is playing poorly. He's probably playing through injury. It's just a it's just a miserable spot. And you're going to see the name on your bench. And you're going to be like, man, Aaron Rodgers. I maybe I should start it. Like he's good. He's an MVP. Maybe I should play, just get him off the roster so you don't have to sweat it. Yeah, that's a good call. I'm also telling you to drop any um, non Cooper Cup Rams. That includes the wide receivers. That includes it. Tyler Higby, I think, is kind of off the every week start radar at tight end. That is including the running backs as well. Um, again, if you need to, like, you can hang on to a guy like Allen Roberts. You can hang on to a guy like Daryl Henderson. But like everybody else, I don't think it's there. And I mean, it's not going to happen for really those two guys consistently either. So if you need to make yeah. a drop for somebody else, like, you can go ahead and do it. I mean, Van Jefferson, I was excited about Van Jefferson's return uh, because he was going to be the deep guy. Well, he had. Uh, yesterday he had one drop, but otherwise crushing he had drop. A, a crushing drop. But other than that, 134 air yards and zero real yards. Like, and those <laughs> air yards are the one drop is on him. The other ones, those are all prayer yards. Okay. Like they're, yeah. they were not even close. Uh, the Rams are, you know, just as broken as the Packers and, and just as like, I don't know what the future looks like for the Packers, and I don't know what the hell the future looks like for the Rams because they're kind of locked into like some of the, some of these guys, Allen Robinson included. Like he's going to be on this team next year. Uh, Cooper Cup obviously going to yeah. be on the team next year, but like all these guys for the rest of the season, like you know Ben Skoranek, three yard average depth of target, Tyler Higby, three air yards per target. Um, you know Robinson's at eight point four, Jefferson meaninglessly all there up at. 26.8 this offensive line is just, like every game the rams have the same sequence i talked about it last night andy it's promising play immediately followed by a back-breaking sack on second yeah. down and then like a white flag play on third down and i don't know how that changes <laughs> so you can just go ahead and like like cam Akers, get him off your roster daryl henderson yeah. get him off your roster kyron williams who gives a damn all these receivers who cares yeah i fully agree with that like higby's season took quite a turn because like Six weeks into the year, Higby had seen a zillion targets. Like he was right there with Andrews and Kelsey in terms of targets. And you were like, oh man, at some point he's going to find the end zone. And then it was it was Higby two weeks ago that had the crushing drop that turned the yeah. Rams game around, right? Like just terrible drop that would have been a walk-in touchdown. Um, he could still be running. Um, and uh, obviously- The only was... thing with the Higby volume early in the year was like, Again, like three y yards, air yards yeah. per target. Like that was happening then too. And it's like, these targets are going nowhere. I mean, I know they're going into your fantasy box score and like that looks nice at a position like tight end, but they were awful targets for the offense. And it's like, okay, I can't keep doing that forever. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a lot of desperate. It's a lot of Matt Stafford not having any time to throw sort of targets, but that was going to be a problem all year. And I like, I don't know. I feel like there's going to be some empty catches, empty yardage games for Higby going forward, but so I'll probably have him ranked in that like tight end 10 to 12 range. Yeah. But I totally agree with you on on not needing to roster any of these guys outside of cup. Certainly not Stafford. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> you still have Stafford on your team. Sorry about uh, good luck next year, basically, if you still have Stafford <laughs> on your team. Uh, hold on loosely, candidates. Andy, you've got Michael Pittman, who we talked about a lot at the opener. Yeah, um, and I'd actually I'd actually thrown him in the outline for this pod before we had the Frank Reich news and the Jeff Saturday news. <laughs> I don't even know what to like. I don't even know what to say about Pittman. I don't have a good story to tell you. He's just so good. Um, 
I'd, I'd love to think that we're going to settle into Michael Pittman just getting fed uh, in, in December. I hope that's the case. I'd give him a few more chances because I, yeah. I, I just think he's a phenomenal player. Um, but he is going to fall outside of the circle of, of trust in terms of people that you can actually start each week. Like, I don't know. I got I got a bunch of receivers coming back off a of bye that I'm pretty interested in taking a look at. I've got some leagues where we only have to start two receivers, and I had Pittman, and I don't I don't know that I'm going to be playing. Am I going to play him ahead of Juju? No. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking about a handful of rosters right now, and it's it's going to be a coin flip call on uh, on some of them. I I just absolutely love him as a player, and when they get a real quarterback yeah. next year, um, I'm going to be excited about Michael Pittman all over again. I, I still think again he can have some volume games, but. Uh, He's uh, the whole offense, a rough watch right now. Yeah, he feels like the poster child bench don't drop guy at this yep. point. Michael Pittman does uh, that. That feels right to me. I, I would go with that. Oh, man. What? a It's just it's sad. I Do you, do you think Sam Ellinger starts the rest of the season or like, are we going to see Matt Ryan again? Are we going to see oh, Nick Foles, for God's sakes? And like, does any of that? I think that I think Ellinger is probably the worst case scenario for Pittman, I think. But I'm I don't know. I think he is as well. Um, I, I think it would be a, a small boost to him if we actually did see Nick Foles. Uh, but the team is also pretty clearly committed to losing, right? There's no way you do any of the things that they've just done um, w- without a commitment to the tank. Um, so it's probably... Foles will help. Foles <laughs> Behind Foles... that offensive line, he will, he will help. Foles would not be would not be a problem in that regard. Yeah, um, I feel like Pittman is good enough. Um, Jonathan Taylor, who we talked about earlier, um, good enough to maybe accidentally win you a game. So I, I do really think that there's a serious possibility that Taylor gets shut down. I doubt they would do that with a receiver. Um, so <laughs> you'd have yeah, to actually they... be hurt first. That would be nice I get yeah. to, to make it look somewhat excusable. But who knows? Who knows, man? Um, my my hold on loosely candidate is the Washington football team running backs. Um, don't drop those guys. They're another one. Bench don't drop because I know the, the final finish wasn't very good last week. But, you know, J.D. McKissick, uh, we'll see here. You had to see a next specialist last week. Like if we do get this back, we'll cut down from three to two. It'll be good long term. Again, two guys you bench and you don't drop getting in early. Andy, we both have guys who are not currently um allowed to play football for two entirely different reasons one medically <laughs> uh one not so much medically you've got Deshaun Watson I've got Odell Beckham um we can have a little bit more of a longer conversation about Beckham but hit us with Watson first yeah a pretty pretty simple argument I mean like I totally understand anybody who just wants to steer clear of Deshaun Watson and thinking about Deshaun Watson's case and all that I totally get it um he's rostered right now in 27 percent of Yahoo leagues he's he's obviously very good at quarterbacking NFL teams, he's going to step right in in week 13. He's going to be allowed to practice ahead of week 13. So it's not like he's coming in cold. Um, and he'll have a team that might have David and Joku back that is going to have Amari Cooper, like it, but has Nick Chubb in the backfield. Like it can be a good offense with Deshaun Watson. Um, and he's, he's going to play in, in week 13. So he's going to be on somebody's fantasy roster. And again, he's widely available right now. Uh, Jay Glazer seems to think like he reported on Sunday that Odell Beckham could be cleared kind of any time uh, to come back from his knee injury, which, you know, we'll see. He's still got to be signed. It sounds like the Cowboys are kind of moving up in terms of the potential landing spot, which makes a ton of sense, yep. by the way. Like, Michael Gallup is com- another guy coming back really early from an ACL. I don't think he's looked 100% so far this year. He's been fine, but I don't think he's looked 100%. Um, CeeDee Lamb's like their only game-breaker, and he actually really hasn't, like, had a game-breaking type of game, at least in fantasy, but... um they could certainly use the help. I just think like we're kind of getting close to stash Beckham season, 
but we're I, I still think there's a chance he makes no impact. I just kind of wanted to like get your um get your thoughts on like where he like where he would fit. Where would you like to see him? Where he would fit best? Um, like what what's the next team for Odell Beckham or what should it be? Yeah, well, I, I think it's meaningful and obvious uh, that the the all of the teams that have been linked to Odell Beckham are are playoff contenders and not just playoff contenders. He ain't going back like, to the Rams anymore, I'll tell you that. No, no, he's definitely not going back to the Rams, but it's been like, you know, the Bills and the Cowboys and uh and the Ravens who have an obvious need for somebody like Odell. But I I still believe, especially given the timing of his injury, like it was a Super Bowl injury. So like the timing of it would suggest to me that he's not gonna be he's not gonna be ready to be anything close to fully operational like in December that they'd probably want to get his feet wet a little bit and get him comfortable with an offense late in December. And and then they intend for, you know, whatever team signs Odell is going to intend for him to be a factor, like as they, as they get to like the divisional round. Right. And, and on, on through like the most important weeks of the real life season, I I'm skeptical that he's going to make any kind of fantasy splash, but I do yes. recognize that he has a lot of brand name value. So it, it could very well be that like Odell is just a guy that you add. Um, and, and you think of him as like a trade sweetener at your fantasy trade deadline, because he has a lot of appeal to a lot of people. Especially if he, cause the chiefs are still in contention by the way, like, mm-hmm. and we've seen how things have gone like Kadarius, Tony added in mass. Right. And he like, we're talking about Odell Beckham versus Kadarius Tony. Give me a free. Kadarius Tony went from of- something like fifteen percent rostered to like fifty-five percent rostered in a minute. In in like you know it, within a day, hundreds of thousands right. of ads. Yeah, simply because of the Chiefs. So if he goes to yep. Kansas City, I love that idea as like a trade sweetener. And by the way, wow, what a what a mucked up receiving core that would be if he ends up there. But again, I think most of his real value will come in December, late in December, maybe just January, pure playoffs. And for that reason, like. My pick for where I'd like to see him go. I like the Dallas idea, and it certainly would be like, oh my god, just headlines on headlines on headlines. Um, you just <laughs> a- anybody out there who's like in sports media at all, just go ahead and mute notifications from your editor. Uh, you don't want to be hearing that. <laughs> Sorry, Jason. Uh, but I think the team I'd like to see him with the most is Baltimore because they need help the yeah. most, and he really is the thing that they're missing at this point. So because it won't make a big deal for fantasy, I think regardless, either way. Let's get Odell to Baltimore and help Lamar out, for God's sakes. Like We can't really be making a playoff push with Devin DuVernay and Demarcus Robinson. Demarcus Robinson, James Prochet. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, you can't really be doing that. All right, Andy, it's time for our weekly updates on the Treviso Babes. And my God, we have a lot to discuss with the Treviso Babes. Um, Just when I kind of said last week, like they're getting their act together, um, things have gone absolutely insane. Uh, since, since, <laughs> since I said on last week's pod, uh, like, you know, November was that November 1st podcast came out. So the Monday, the, yeah, the day before that, like, oh, they kind of getting it together. The only crazy thing, uh, was the DK Metcalf drop. We got a lot of crazy drops to, d- to discuss here we're not even going to play any guessing games. We'll just go through them. But before we do that, um, my mom's real good friend, Leslie, who I talked about dropping DK Metcalf, uh, on the past episode, she sent in a, an audio clip <laughs> defending herself for the DK Metcalf drop because she was uh, not happy that we had a few words on the situation. Let's hear what Leslie had to say. Love it. Hi, Leslie Sisley here, and I'm one of the team managers in the Treviso Babes Fantasy League. Well, rumor has it that there have been some rumblings by the experts because one of my recent wide receiver drops. <laughs> yep, I dropped DK Metcalf. Before I get into that, let me start by saying I grew up in the South 
I love watching SEC football. I'm an Alabama fan through and through, even when we're having down years like this one. With only a couple of notable exceptions, my fantasy team is stacked with lots of Alabama players. If I can't pick up, a, pick up an Alabama player, then I like to pick up former SEC players, just like DK. So wide receivers, I love, love, love fast wide receivers. In fact, I have Tyreek Hill on my team. So why would I drop DK? Well, he had a couple of disappointing showings back to back, which both required him to be carted off the field. So in the first one, uh, he had garnered 4.4 fantasy points for my team, and he was carted off due to the call of nature in a very inconvenient time. Yes, it was disappointing, but I understood he's human. And then, and then the following week, he garnered 1.7 fantasy points for my team, and he was carted off only after the second play of the game. So Pete Carroll described that injury as a hurt patella and that it may be related to an old injury. So here I have a fast wide receiver with a potential knee injury, two weeks of unpredictable drama. Okay, not the kind of wide receive drama of yesteryear, like the TOs of the world, Ocho Cinco's, Randy Moss, or even more recently, Antonio Brown. It was just a little unpredictable. Sure, I could have benched DK, but I dropped him and I picked up Julio Jones. Back to my tendencies. I'm a sentimental Alabama fan and Julio changed our program in 2008. If there's a chance he's gonna play, I'm gonna pick him up and put him on my bench. So I like the Brady-Jones tandem. I mean, it's the last hurrah for these guys, and I would love to see them really go out in style. So if I have to give up a guy on my bench to do that, I'm happy to do it. And uh, despite my Bama SEC tendencies, I've managed to stay relevant in our Treviso Babes uh, fantasy league. I've been number one a couple of weeks. I've been number two a couple of weeks, and I'm going to take a hit this week because Mixon had like a ridiculous game. And uh, Mahomes had a ridiculous game. So, yeah, I'm going to take a bit of a hit, but I'm going to stay relevant with my uh, Bama SEC tendencies. Well, a uh, lot, lot to unpack there from Leslie. <laughs> Shout out to Leslie for sending that in. I, I love, first of all, that she gives us uh, the, the background on, on what qualities she likes and dislikes in a player. And it turns out that DK like checks every box that she likes and still, <laughs> still drops him. I absolutely love it. Um, he is currently a much faster human than Julio Jones. But uh, like, on the other hand, I do respect, you know, this, like this is what goes on in um, hometown leagues and like you have to like the team that uh, that you've rostered right like I, I get that I get I get keeping Julio on the on the bench perhaps as like a mascot because you have really fond memories of Julio I do not uh, I, I would not dismiss DK Metcalf as merely some dude on the bench who was replaceable yeah for sure but a couple things here for uh, for Leslie you know my, my big takeaways number one she kind of got she kind of got bamboozled by Poopgate with DK Metcalf in the yes. cart. I, yes. I get that. That was that's a problem. I totally understand that. Um, I also, you know, look, you want like Andy said, sentimental value. You want to you you want. By the way, Leslie's contending heading into this week. She's the second place team. She's six and two. Like her team is good. So we don't mean to sit here and question Leslie's judgment. She wants to carry Julio Jones to a ring. I totally get it. That's yeah. fine. You know, I mean, you, you, you got to have your mascot. A great way to say it. And my, my other thing here is, man, look, she got screwed by Pete Carroll. OK, Pete Carroll coming out and like with his mysterious injury thing. You know, that's that's on Pete, Leslie. That's not on you. So, look, Leslie's got a good team. She's competing. She has she does have Tyree kill. She's got the Tyree kill to a stack. She knows what she's doing. All right. She she dropped DK Metcalf. I get that. Um, but. 
this this I think that was a pretty good defense, all things considered. I, I will also say that that when the when, like it's easy now, a couple weeks later, to look back at Metcalf and say, well, y- you know, and and gloss over the injury. At the time it happened, like in the exact moment that we got word that it was actually a knee injury and he didn't just have to poop again, um, like it, it seemed like it might be a season ender, right? Yeah. And then after the game, the the relatively good news, the sunshine that Pete Carroll was spitting, kind of made you think, okay, maybe it's only three or four weeks. Three or four weeks is a long time within the context of a fantasy season and in a relatively shallow league where people are churning a lot of players. I like, I get I it. Say that um, it is only it is only now that we know that DK like came back, scored a touchdown, and all that. That it seems it seems like a silly drop, but it was you know in the moment, it 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 actually made a little bit more sense. It absolutely made sense. All right. So th- shout out to Leslie for that. Leslie, again, is one yeah, of my thank you. like closest friends uh, down there. And we we appreciate you, Leslie. And she is like, she legit knows her stuff. Diehard football fan. Like, and uh, I respect just like, hey, I like Alabama. I'm just going to go ahead and add Alabama players. Going to do the SEC thing. Shout out to that. That's great stuff. We do have to cover a few other pieces of business here about this league, though, Andy, because we can't play any guessing games. Like since that podcast, like I said, where I thought, okay, these these folks are getting their act together, right? Like these drops are getting better. No, things went absolutely crazy <laughs> since November 1st. These are the players that have been dropped in this league. And by the way, there's been more. These are just like the highlights. Cortland Sutton, Brandon Ayuk, shout out to Leslie, by the way, dropped Julio Jones enough with the sentimentality and picked up Brandon Ayuk. Like that call, Leslie. Elite move. We're going to continue yep. to elite, just elite stuff. Look, no, no, uh, no hometown discounts. None of that, none of that sentimentality crap. We're gonna get Julio Jones limping out of here, and we're gonna get Brandon. You love that for Leslie. George Pickens has been dropped. Um, all those three receivers going into their bye weeks. We know that these folks hate bye weeks. Yes. Patrick yeah. Mahomes coming out of his bye week. <laughs> our girl, our girl Tammy Andy dropped Mahomes, and I have no clue why. She had to start Taylor Heineke last week. I, I, you know, my mom's like, how can Tammy get? Uh, Patrick Mahomes back on our team. I'm like, you got to try to add him on waivers, I guess, but that's no guarantee you're going to get him. She and then not. usually if you're the team that dropped him, you can't add him on waivers, right? Like you've got to yes, wait for him to clear. Correct. Obviously Patrick Mahomes is not going to clear. L- literally leads the NFL in passing yards and passing touchdowns and has all of the points. <laughs> like, this is, this is, like it feels like that must've been accidental. Um, we, we might need, we know. might need an audio clip from Tammy. Yeah, we need to hear from Tammy. I mean, she's in ninth place, three and five. It's not going well for Tammy. Like I said, she she's gonna she scored she scored, scored forty one points last week. Maybe it was maybe it was one of those. Do we think that Tammy is the sort to like just drop her best players and be like, I'm gonna detonate this league. I'm dropping Mahomes. I'm dro- I'm like it was a no was because it she rage? was desperately she was desperately she's the one that added Antonio Brown as we remember. Um, and then. <laughs> Conven- conveniently pushed it off on somebody else. She's like, oh, my friend had my phone. I don't even know what the hell that explanation was, Tammy. I mean, come on. Come on. You're you're our girl and this happens. I mean, again, you can tell she was spinning her wheels afterwards because, like I said, she's trying to figure out how to... I was like, you're out of luck. You can't add him on, on the waivers. It just is what it is. She added the following quarterbacks after... <laughs> She's got Ryan Tannehill on the roster, Mac Jones, Derek Carr, Taylor Heineke. She's like, she's just throwing things at the wall, seeing what sticks after this, after this disaster. So I feel, I do feel bad for Tammy, who is going to lose unless Jawan Johnson scores 50 points tonight on Monday Night Football. So <laughs> we shall see. I'm not done yet, by the way. Um, Julie, another Treviso babe that we we love. She dropped Tom Brady to add Patrick Mahomes. Probably a good move there. Yeah. My mom, 
Uh, Leslie dropped Zach Ertz. Don't know what that was about. My mom grabbed him, dropped Brandon Cooks because she has 50 receivers. And then just a couple LOL ones. Canaries Tony got dropped in this league, I guess, because uh, which doesn't make any sense because everybody's adding Canaries Tony. So it's like he get, someone added him and then is like, oh, you know what? Bye week. Get him out of here. Like, what, what the hell? And then somebody dropped to Sean Watson, which like also LOL. <laughs> This is the time to be adding him. I don't. He's, a, I don't, he's I don't about know to be relevant. Here. Yeah, hasn't been relevant. I understand why he wasn't on a roster earlier this season. He's about to be relevant. Um, the the Ertz thing is just, man. Leslie is such a what have you done for me lately? Not even what have you done for me lately? Like what did you do for me today? And if it wasn't, <laughs> you know, if it wasn't like a touchdown and eighty yards, you are on the chopping block. You are a candidate for a drop. Yeah, Leslie did run into some bad luck. Zach Ertz would not have uh, saved her. By the way, she also has Travis Kelsey, so like, who cares? You know, she can go ahead and uh, drop a uh, drop old Zach Ertz. That did help my mom out, who unfortunately also ran into Devonte Adams. Not going to win this week, uh, be but at least was able to put a competent player. In the do we, tight end do we have spot. trades in this league? Like, has a trade gone down? Oh man, um, I don't. No, not a single trade. Not a single <laughs> trade all year. Just dropping superstar <laughs> players right and left. Patrick Mahomes, the freaking MVP of the league, getting dropped. Sure. I don't know who this Terry's tenacious team is, but they're seven and one. They're they're running. I don't know Terry. Um, not familiar with with their work. Um, but they're running away with this league. They're seven and one. They're easily in first place. Scored a ton of points. Um it squeaked out a close one this past week, but uh, they've got Kenneth Walker, they've got Christian Kirk, Stefan Diggs. Um, they just <laughs> they've Nick Chubb. They just dropped Sammy Watkins. So great, get that poison pill off your roster. This, <laughs> like, this league really went off off the freaking rails uh, right after I said like, okay, I think they're kind of getting their stuff together. Um, the ladies have gone crazy, uh, but we love to see it. Yeah, we might have to get um, like I don't know whoever wins this title. Um, might need to get a a like I don't know preview pod guest appearance for week eighteen something like that. That seems that seems fair. I think that does seem fair. Well, I'll, I'll get that on the actually tomorrow, Andy. I'm I forgot I didn't tell you this. My mom is setting up like a Zoom call with me and all all of these ladies for like a thirty minute, <laughs> one hour Q and A. I don't know what I don't know what to expect, but you're on the preview podcast this week, right? Oh my gosh! Um, you gotta, you yeah, you you gotta record that. Yeah, I'll, oh, I mean, I'm not, I'm 100 not recording it, but uh, I I will let you know what happens uh with this because it could be quite an hour. Leslie, um, Tammy, so. you somebody's got to record that. One of you guys has to record this. <laughs> I'll report back on the on the Treviso Babes League <laughs> after my one hour little Q and A with them. I mean. The least I could do. They've given us so much content. Lord Podcast was like, we need to send them like a trophy or something for whoever wins the league. Like, can, I got to get oh, on sure. that like Yahoo swag or something. Can we send them? Like, do we have stuff we can send them? Like, they've given us so much good content. So um, I hope the people enjoy their weekly. I mean, I think you should. You there. could put that behind the paywall at Reception Perception. There's a lot you could do with that with that little Q&A. There you go. That's a good point there. All right. That is going to do it for us. Packed show this week. Lots of stuff. Lots of laughs. Shout out again to Leslie for sending that audio in. Um, you can follow Andy on Twitter at Andy Barrons if you don't already. If you don't, what, what the hell are you doing with yourself, man? Come on. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there, make yourself a better fantasy player and improve your timeline by following 
at Yahoo Fantasy. Trevor's coming back from his honeymoon, so that account's about to get a lot better again. Uh, we, yeah. <laughs> Mo, Jason, you did your best. Let's get Trevor back in the building there. Austin Eckler back in the building will be with us tomorrow. We'll talk about his two-touchdown performance in another close Chargers victory on the latest episode of Eckler's Edge tomorrow. Until then, we're out. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.